0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a cloudy day here in the capital as once again we bring together a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. My name is Scott Chaloner and first and foremost on today's show I'm delighted to have Shona Alexander alongside me. Shona is the Chief Executive at Citizens Advice Newcastle, a local charity providing free, confidential and independent advice in the city with a commitment to tackling poverty, social exclusion and discrimination. Shona, a very warm welcome to you and thank you ever so much for joining us on today's programme.
1: You're
0: welcome. It's a real pleasure having you you, uh, with us for sure. Um, The whole reason um, we're here is to discuss of course leadership and really bring that into focus and considering that today's generation of leaders in business, governments, communities and organisations are probably going through one of the greatest challenges of our time, I think it's fair to say, in the shape Mm -hmm. of COVID-19. I feel Mm -hmm. it would be almost remiss of me not to ask you just to what extent the pandemic has affected you and your operations.
1: Right, well, it's been a chaotic few months for us and we've had to dramatically change the way we do things. We've run things quite traditionally uh, with face-to-face advice for people in Newcastle. But as soon as lockdown happened, we had to immediately switch to working from home. But being a voluntary sector, being a charity, we're incredibly resilient. And we just got laptops sorted, mobile phones sorted, got a rotor sorted, used the technology to work sensibly. It was amazing, actually. And volunteers and staff were really getting together really well. And we worked flat out, I mean, sometimes weekends and way into the evenings just to make sure that people had the advice they needed to cope with this pandemic. So I think we rose to the challenge really well looking back.
0: And thinking of what's going to be happening over the course of the uh, the next few months, um, as we mm-hmm. sort of come out of lockdown, the government support schemes begin to wind down in October and the more full extent of the impact of the pandemic is realised. Um, there's mm-hmm. going to be probably more of a demand for services such as yours, isn't there? Because unemployment is likely to see a little bit of a rise compared to now. It's already been on the up over the course of the year mm-hmm. and we'll see the impacts of poverty as a result of that as well.
1: Yes, definitely. We haven't seen the end of this uh, the crisis for for some time, and we think that poverty, uh, particularly debt, is going to be a really big problem going into the winter. And it's probably happening at the worst time of the year when you know things are get get bad, anyway, get tough. People do. St- Tend to struggle more during the winter with fuel bills and things, but I think this winter is going to be exceptionally hard. And we are back into some kind of new normal, but of course, it, it isn't normal. Uh, we've learned from the experience, we're doing a lot more online, we're doing smarter things with technology, but we're, we're actually back to doing some face to face advice in the city centre in Newcastle because we've taken a deliberate step here. There are some people who cannot use the technology, who have no social support whatsoever, and are really struggling through this pandemic. That's not going away anytime soon. So, we are trying to make sure that we keep some kind of service going, some kind of physical contact service there to help the most vulnerable people in the city. What's interesting is that most other agencies haven't been able to do that. Even the local council, it hasn't opened its, its service for homeless people for face-to-face advice. So in a way we're bridging the gap for a lot of the statutory agencies, but in some ways that's what the voluntary sector does. It's what the charities like us, Citizens Advice do. We're there when things get really tough and we see that continuing uh, long into the, the month ahead.
0: And all of a sudden what we've seen as well as we've entered the roaring 2020s let's call it and it certainly started Mm -hmm. with a bit of a bang I think it's fair to say Mm -hmm. and we've seen a real sudden change in the way we're looking upon our working practices. There's a new focus on sustainability, there's a great Mm -hmm. amount of discussion as to whether there'll be a place for the conventional office environment um, into Mm -hmm. the future, whether people will be working from home on a more personal basis. Um, Just Mm -hmm. how do you see the conventional office environment as it's been over the last 10 years, sort of changing over the course of the year, the next few years, as a result of COVID.
1: It's definitely changing and I mean I think we will be doing a lot more work from home ourselves and a lot more remote working Um, we're doing all sorts of shift patterns and and complicated things to make sure we do the social distancing and that we're in little bubbles and the contact is maintained Uh, and that we're also also, of course resilient for any uh, spikes in recurrence of Covid and there are you know, all the time you hear about spikes coming back and you know possible lockdowns happening so we've always got that at the back of our mind about how do we make sure that we don't go back completely but we keep some kind of service going. So I think that's going to carry on for a long time yet and that's definitely going to impact on the way that the traditional office worked. But I think one of the issues about that is the lack of social contact is causing real mental health stress. And we know that a lot of people just are really feeling the, the, the pressure of not being in the same four walls. And, and working from home can be very stressful if you haven't got social contact, and particularly if the job itself is stressful and you've got no one to kind of offload that onto. So we think that there are lots of pressures, there's lots of advantages in, in everybody working from home and the need for office space. And of course, the carbon footprint's a lot better now, and commuting's right down. But the, the on cost, I think, are going to be the mental health pressures and the social impact of people being in isolation more and more i don't think we've seen anything like the start of it of the problems with that one yet
0: and considering that the pandemic has really thrust the importance of mental health and well-being well back mm. into the forefront of our minds from a leadership mm-hmm. perspective how important is that both in terms of safeguarding your own mental health and also that of the people around you
1: it's really important and we're a mindful employer. We take mental health really seriously. That's for clients who come to us but it's also for the staff and the volunteers because doing our job is really stressful. You're dealing with people's real lives. You're dealing with absolute dire circumstances when people have had all sorts of discrimination and unfair treatment. They're in absolute poverty and you are their last line of, of support. So doing, doing with that can be really stressful and we make sure that nobody feels the pressure too much. You can always offload it onto someone. There's always a manager or a buddy there to support you and we actually um, subscribe to the Mindful Employer Scheme which gives a 24-hour counselling service so there's someone totally independent you can just talk to someone over the phone get that off your chest, uh, just just deal with it um, in a in a sensible way I mean just yesterday we had a, an advisor who came and said she was really worried about a client he's in such poverty that he was talking seriously about suicide And she found that very stressful. So we had a a bit of a group discussion about it and we managed to get back to him and give him the help that he needs. But that's how bad this is impacting on people and that's what we deal with at the sharp end. So we have to make sure that our staff and volunteers can cope with that sort of thing. And I think that's going to be an ongoing uh, task for leaders to make sure that we do look after each other.
0: And albeit it has been an incredibly difficult and sensitive time for so many Mm. people, um, this uh, pandemic Mm -hmm. situation. If we try Mm -hmm. to look at some kind of silver lining from all this, are there any positives at all that we can take from this whole experience that we've gone through over the course of this year?
1: Absolutely. I mean, citizens are based. We're always a glass half full We're always looking for silver linings. And there are definitely definitely things to be learned. We've been as I say far smarter at the technology far quicker on the resilience front to get things managed in a different way to respond to new challenges Um, and one of the really interesting things is about volunteering and we've just had a discussion this morning online with a new charity which is called On Hand and that's come out directly out of COVID-19 where people actually want to do something for the neighbours they want to help someone who cannot manage shopping or needs a prescription collected or those sorts of practical things and that's a, a remote service using apps and using new technology. We're buddying up with Newcastle Building Society staff actually here in in Newcastle. They're committed to making this work. So it's, it's a brilliant scheme. And it means that we can, if we get someone who comes to us for help, basic things like reading an electricity meter. Some people just find that so stressful. They cannot cope with it because they've got a visual impairment or something and it really can be a, a massive impact on their lives when they're so depressed, worried about a fuel bill, getting hassles from the fuel company you must send a the meter reading. They don't know where to start. We can sort that by this, this new system with on hand Charity, get a, a trusted volunteer who's all vetted and we can do it all electronically. We can arrange a visit, do the meter reading, get it all sorted and make sure that person's safe, secure and it's able to pay the bills and get all the help that they need so that has absolutely come out of COVID-19 so there's just one example of a really good silver lining which is a legacy moving forward Mm.
0: And during this time as well, um, it's fallen upon the shoulders of leaders, the responsibility to provide reassurance and direction to a lot of worried people, understandably so. Mm. But when mm. you are in a leadership capacity and there isn't really anybody above you to refer to, as it were, when it is mm. that you need that inspiration and direction for yourself, where is it that you tend to look to for that?
1: It's really interesting. And sitting in the face, like many times, a bit like a family and um, what we do is as um, leaders of charities I mean Citizens Advice is a national charity but within that every Citizens Advice office like mine we're a separate charity in our own right here in Newcastle so what we do every week is we get together as a group of leaders that's chief officers and we do this online discussion group and it, it is absolutely a self-help group and it's brilliant because we're all going through this together and it's really useful to be able to speak to a colleague like Jan in Birmingham which has been emailing us this morning about what's going on and uh, Andy in, in Manchester and we actually you know, it's, it's like a really good friend support system, and we talk about all sorts of things like family things and just, you know, a bit of social content, which you really, really need. Um, and also, you know, how are your staff coping with things like suicidal clients? Uh, it's a real lifeline for us, and it's been so vital during this COVID crisis. So, that's again another thing which has come out of this. But I, I think there's a lot to be done on the leadership front um, from this, this self help support group, which is so valuable.
0: Mm. And reflecting on what is still to be done, just before we do draw to a close on the uh, the programme today, uh, Shona, mm-hmm. um, if we think about the next 12 to 18 months in particular, as we know we're going to have to really grapple with the, this uh, new normal and adjust to this new way of living mm-hmm. and working, what is next mm-hmm. for you and for Citizens Advice Newcastle and what are you really hoping to achieve during this time?
1: We're hoping to really step up the way we do advice in terms of telephone advice, in particular. So we've got a, a discussion tomorrow, and we're we're asking our volunteers to come back and do advice in a in a different way. And um, a lot of the advisors that we have as volunteers, they really like the face to face advice, which is understandable. It's you know it is a very physical thing it's a social thing you put a smile on someone's face it's a bit different when you do that over the phone but that's really where the need is we absolutely have to do more telephone advice and that's what we're, we're heading that way now for the next three months at least to really make sure that we're at the end of the phone more than we have been and that we really help people if, if it's a simple thing get that sorted try and save them from coming into the city centre we're also tra- going to experiment with some remote um, and in local libraries So that instead of coming all the way into city centre, we can put some kind of video link so you can sit in a branch library in the outskirts of the city and actually see an advisor and speak to them across the system. We think that's got to be the way forward. So we're really pushing that. And the City Council in Newcastle are really keen for us to do it. It's a brilliant partnership.
0: Mm. let's certainly hope that that partnership does come to some real fruition over the course of the year, the next few months then for sure and just mm-hmm. considering just not how much not just how, uh, how much it's been a pleasure having you join us today Shona but also how informative this experience has been listening to you today I would really welcome the opportunity to have you back on the show with us in a few months time once we can reassess Excellent. where we are as a society at that mm-hmm. point and just catch up at how things are getting on at citizens advice as well
1: that would be great. would love to do that. Thank you very
0: much. It would be fantastic. Thank you ever so much uh, for your time today, uh, Shona. you um, It's a shame we don't have more time because we could discuss this long into the um, the afternoon, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but most <laughs> importantly, um, until we do certainly touch base again in the future, please do as well take care and stay safe with all still going on.
1: Thanks very much.
0: I was speaking today to Shona Alexander, Chief Executive at Citizens Advice Newcastle. Um, Coming up next on the programme today, we'll be handing over to Matthew O'Neill for his exclusive interview with former Education Secretary and incumbent Leaders' Council Chairman, Lord Blunkett. Um, Despite being blind from birth, Lord Blunkett has in fact enjoyed a distinguished political career, holding a number of senior positions in Tony Blair's Cabinet and serving as the MP for his Sheffield, Brightside and Hillsborough constituency for 28 years. He was elevated to the House of Lords in August twenty fifteen. I hope you all enjoy listening just as much as Matthew relished the opportunity to speak with Lord Blunkett and all of that is of course coming up next Lord Blunkett, welcome
2: Thank you very much, it's very good to be with you
3: Um, Well of course uh, nothing is being said uh, at the moment other than COVID-19 which uh, we must touch on Um, What would your message be to small businesses who are trying to keep going?
2: Well, I think the last ones standing will be the ones that thrive when we get back to some sort of normality. So it's have confidence and courage. Obviously, take advantage as far as you can of the government help. I think that Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, has gone about as far as you could have expected Mm -hmm. in the circumstances. There are obviously small businesses that fall between the cracks, those who uh, don't have um, declined premises, can't benefit from the business rate waiver, Uh, have not really been able to demonstrate that they can uh, adhere to the PAYE for furloughing staff, and of course, whether they can receive the the grant, 10,000 or 25,000, all all of those who can, uh, are obviously able at least to benefit from that for the time being, and look to the future. But I think the second thing to say, and they don't need me to tell them this as a politician who who did once do a business studies qualification, which is that it will be a different world. And being able mm. to think about how that world will look in a year's time and be creative about it and learn from not just what's happening to you at this moment in time, but to others around you and the sector that you're working in, that will be really important.
3: Do you feel that the long-term uh, effects of uh, the COVID-19 outbreak... and you're absolutely right in a in a liberal uh democracy that we live in it's it's very difficult for people to swallow orders given to them from government um
2: well the the UK and um and the US and to some extent to uh, the Scandinavian countries have a very different hi- interest uh, history and and therefore interest in maintaining the freedom to decide and the persuasion and mm. consent that's required has gone over the top, and that in itself is a constraint and uh, a readjustment. That's another strength of um, living in a country where you can have opinions and express them without actually being thought to be a fool.